That day. That day when he's going to wipe away every tear, every fear, wipe away death. I don't know, but that's a powerful song. That is a powerful, powerful song. There's going to be a day, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are. I really am. Brian, lead us, pray, before we start. Amen. You bet. You bet. We'll be in 2 Corinthians if you want to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5. The title of the message is Immortality and a Heavenly Home. Immortality and a Heavenly Home. Maybe you could kind of figure that some of that songs that we were singing today. And I thought that last song just would fit perfectly what we want to talk about today. First, a uh, uh, couple of times that we went to Zimbabwe, we, uh, we got to, I guess you might say, we got to sleep in tents, little pup tents right there, one, one person tents, uh, slept on the ground, uh, dealing with all the, all the hardness of the earth, <laughs> dealing with the the donkeys that were there that would just keep us awake at night as they were talking to each other, hee-hawing and hee-hawing, uh, made it very difficult to, to sleep, but uh, it is what it is, and there we were living in those uh, uh, little pup tents, and I don't know if you've ever been in a pup tent, but if you've ever had a leg cramp in a pup tent, it is not a pleasant thing to try to get that leg straightened out before yeah, I feel like you're almost dead. Not a bad time, but not a great time, if you know what I mean, okay? This old tent is just, it's just hard. Let's read, uh, as introduction, let's read a couple of verses here on, on uh, 2 Corinthians 5. I want to just read 1 through 4, and then we will kick this thing off. And it says this, And we know that if our earthly tent... Uh, which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed. So that what is mortal shall be swallowed up by life. You know, the scripture tells us that when we die, a true believer will be escorted into the very presence of holy God. Uh, There is a phrase that I like to use that makes it very simple to give us a picture. And is that when we pass from this earth, we are relocated into heaven. Now, just think about that. We are relocated into heaven. 
That's what we will be. The Bible tells us in John 8, 51, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You will never, your soul will never die. John eleven twenty five 25 says it this way, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, even if his body were to die. I believe our last breath here for true believers is our first breath in heaven. The Bible says we will really not die. The body dies, but the soul will never die if we have been born again. The Bible teaches us that, that at that moment, God will dispatch his angels to come get us and to take our soul to the very presence of heaven. And I, I'm so glad that he is going to do that, that he's going to dispatch his angels because, you see, when we die and as we're transporting and being relocated from this old earth to our heavenly home, that it's going to be like, kind of like a gauntlet because Satan has, and his demons will have one more opportunity to try to steal your soul. And those angels will take hold and will guide us and direct us and put us into the very presence of holy God. I don't know about you, but that's an amen right there. That is a good thing that we will be protected all the way up to his very presence. In verse 1, uh, it says this, that we have this earthly tent. And when it says this earthly tent, he's talking about our body, okay? I just want you to understand that, okay? And then it says, which, when our house is torn down, we have a building from God. We have a building from God. And, and as I was looking at that, my first thought was, and probably your first thought too when you hear that, you probably thought of, of John 14, 2 and 3 where he talks about this mansion, okay? In my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And, and I'm thinking about that, that, that one of the things that is taught always about this is that, that, God, that Christ has left. He's, he's gone up there, and he's going to prepare a mansion for me. And not probably a man, probably just a shack for me, but for some of us, a mansion. And he's preparing that, and he said, I'm getting that prepared for you when it is your time to come. But I think he's also talking about something else when he's talking about this building from God. I believe he's talking about that kind of a body that we're going to have when we pass and we are in heaven with him. And, and you might not understand this and believe this, but the body that we have now, the body that our believers have that are there in heaven right now, it is a temporary body. Did you know that? The Bible is not very clear about what we will look like up there and, and, and so much what we're going to be doing. But this body that we will have is temporary, okay? It will be some sort of a bodily form that allows us to function as human beings. But it will just be nothing but a bridge between the time of our death and the time of the rapture. Because you see, when the rapture happens and those, the dead in Christ were raised again, they will all be given a new resurrected body. And Apostle Paul is looking forward to that time when he gets that resurrected body, that immortal body that will stay with him forever and forever. So he's looking forward to that home in heaven, but he's also looking forward to that body, that different body, that, that body, that perfect body, that, that the kind of body that Christ had when he resurrected from the dead. You and I one day will have that kind of a body. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, it talks about the perishable, which is this, will soon put on imperishable, 
which is eternity. It says, this mortal body will now put on immortality. That one day, this mortal body, that the bones and the flesh will die, but one day the soul will put on immortality, which we will live forever and forever. See, Paul understood this, and he understood, and he, and he longed for that time, because he, he tells us in Romans 8 that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to what, what God has revealed to us, or what He will reveal to us. You see, he was looking forward to his heavenly home, and he knew that what was going on here was not any good. Paul also knew, and he wrote in Revelation, and just like that song said, one day there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for all of that is going to be gone. You see, Paul was looking forward to that time, was he not? Yeah, there was going to be a mansion up there for him, but he was looking forward to that time where he has this new resurrected body. And the beautiful thing about the Apostle Paul, and probably us too, he knew how he was going to get there. He knew what, what had taken place in his life that was going to get him there. He wasn't going to get there because of how good he was, how much of a great preacher, evangelist he was, all the books that he wrote. He wasn't going to get there that way. You see, he knew how he was going to get there. And the only reason he got there was through the grace of God and the shedding of Jesus' blood. He knew there was no other way because he knew that Christ, Christ died on that cross. He shed his blood, paid the price for our sins so that we would not have to. And when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us we receive the righteousness of God, that we are now right with him. And as Paul looks forward to eternity, he knows that he couldn't get there on his own self. He couldn't get there on his own goodness. Only by the grace of God and the shed blood of Jesus was he ever going to be able to get that. See, he was looking forward for his immortality and his eternal home. What assurances do we have that we can pull from these verses that tells us as Christians that we will someday live forever and that we have an eternal home? What are those assurances? We're going to look at three of those today real quickly, I hope. Assurances that every Christian can have knowing that we're going to live forever and that Christ has, in the process of building us, our eternal home. Well, the first one, let's look at verse 1. It's pretty simple. Right off the bat, it says, for we know. Paul says, for we know. That is his personal conviction in the hope that he has in Jesus. He has a personal conviction of his hope in, in Christ. And we've talked about many times that hope in here. That hope is not maybe, could be, I maybe, I hope so. No, it is a confident assurance that God will do what God has said he would do. That is hope. And for Paul, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he knew, he knew, he knew that if God said that he would live forever and that he has a mansion in heaven, that that gave him confidence and assurance that God would do what he would do. You see, Paul understood about this old earthly tent that it says there in verse 1. This earthly tent, this body, he knows what was going on. This body gets wear and tear, doesn't it? This body ages. This body begins to deteriorate. This body begins to have all kind of issues and failings and all those kind of things as we get a little older. And, and one of these days, we know that this old body is just going to give out, don't we? And we just know we'll step into eternity 
But you see, Paul was looking past that, was he not? Paul was looking forward to that, that, that new body in Christ, that new resurrected body that would never have any wear and tear, that will never age, that will never rust, that will never deteriorate, that will never just give up. He was looking forward to that, that time where God gave him this new body that says he would live forever and forever. I hope you are like that. In verse 2, it says, this body groans. Indeed, in this house, in this, this body he's talking about, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwellings from heaven. Paul said, man, I, my body just groans. My body just yearns for heaven. My body desires heaven. My body just can't wait to get to heaven. And I've had people in this church tell me the very same things. I've had people tell me that, man, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I just can't wait to get there. You know, see, Paul's groanings was not because of the wear and tear of his life. Paul's desire was not because I want to leave here because of all the problems. And if anybody had any right to groan, it would be Paul, don't you think? I mean, five times beaten to an inch of his life, 39 lashes. I mean, three times beaten with rods, one time stoned to death, probably died. Three times shipwrecked. He had this thorn in his side that God would not remove from him. And he has all the burdens of, of the churches that he was trying to minister to. That was not why Paul was groaning for heaven. He wasn't groaning because he hurt. He was groaning because he longed to be in the very presence of holy God. Where he would see Jesus' face face to face. Can you imagine? One day we're going to see Jesus' face to face. One day we're going to, when we're there, we're going to be able to love on him and adore him and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good stuff. One day Paul realized that he would be in that great heavenly choir. Can you imagine? I won't get, I'm going to get to be there one day, okay? And so are you. And, and maybe some of you that don't even sing, you'll be in that heavenly choir. And the Bible tells, tells us that you're going to be singing holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's going to be singing. Uh, Revelation 4, 8. Revelation 4, 11 says, Worthy, O you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. One of these days, if you've been born again and, you're, and you have that resurrected body, you will be in that choir loft singing how great and glorious God is. Paul knew that there would never have a time that he'd have to see death again. Crying, mourning, pain, any of that sin. And he says, man, I long for that. I want that. And see, Paul, what? He had great assurance because he knew without a shadow of doubt when he passed from this life to the next life where he would be. Why did he know that? Because he had this great hope in the Lord. He had this great hope that said, I know what God has said <laughs> he's going to do. Whatever he's promised, he's going to do. He's not going to back out on me now. And he had this assurance. I know that I have immortality. I know there's a home in heaven just for me because 
God has told me in his word that there is. Man, I hope you have that same kind of insurance today. I hope that you have, have that in your life that you can know without a shadow of a doubt, that you know, that you know, that you know, that just like Paul, when you pass from here, where are you going to go? What's around that corner? What's the next step? Where are you going to be? Paul knew it, and I hope you do too. If you don't have that same assurance, boy, when we get done here, I'd sure like to talk to you to give you that assurance. You got to know that you know, that you know. The second assurance we find in verse 5. Look down to verse 5, and he says this. He says, And now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. God guarantees to every person who possesses the Holy Spirit that they will have immortality and they will have eternal home in glory. How is that? The Bible says He gives us His Holy Spirit. God puts His presence and His power within our lives to live our lives like He's called us to live. The Holy Spirit is our pledge, is our down payment, is our first installment, is our number one deposit that God gives to us. And it is His promise when we have the Holy Spirit that we will ha- live forever in heaven with Him and a home in, ma- a home in heaven that He's preparing See, the Holy Spirit assures us of that. When you have that Holy Spirit living in your life, you have that assurance. Because you will have one day a resurrected body that looks just like Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit who lives within us gives us confidence to live in this old world. Did you know that? He gives us confidence when life kind of turns sour, when, when sorrow and pain and rejection, all those kind of things. He gives us the confidence to live that way because you see the Holy Spirit will remind us when life is difficult and life is tough the Holy Spirit will remind us that you know what's going on here it's only temporary and it's only passing you have a home in heaven don't forget that whatever you're dealing with here it's only fleeting matter of fact Paul would call it light affliction is what he dealt with because it won't last forever you got a home in glory, temporary and passing, but now forever. He reminds us that right now we might be absent from the Lord, but one day we're going to be present with the Lord. Yeah, right now we're absent from the Lord, but we're going to be present with Him one day. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us the courage to live today. And the Holy Spirit gives us the courage to die one day because see the Holy Spirit will help us to understand what's going to happen when we pass from this old world you know we're truly free knowing that that when we die where we're going to be that's freedom that's freedom knowing that when we pass where we're going to be you know the Holy Spirit is just like that and I believe the Holy Spirit stirs within us that yearning to be with the Lord ever had that yearning to be there I, I know we've got to live and I know we're going to we got to do our thing here but you ever just think about heaven and what's going to be like you ever think like Paul and and kind of in, in your spirit just groaning that 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 you wonder you want to be there you know that that doesn't come from what you think 
That's not mustered up because of what faith you might have. That longing to be in the very presence of holy God comes only from the Holy Spirit. He gives us that yearning to be there. And I think as I get older and some of us get older, I think that probably that yearning gets a little more (laughs) than, than what it was when I was 30 or 40. But I would encourage you, you younger ones, if you would, to start looking at that, longing for the goodness of God, longing for that immortality, longing for that new home and glory that only he could give us. We have assurance of living forever because he's given us the Holy Spirit in our lives. I hope you've got that Holy Spirit. The third assurance I want to give you real quick of eternity is found in verse 9. It says in verse 9, it says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to the Lord. You have an ambition, you have a desire to be pleasing to the Lord. To do those things that the Lord wants us to do. To love and be a part of God's word. See, the Apostle Paul knew that. (laughs) The Apostle Paul had a desire to uh, uh, be all that God wanted him to be. The Apostle Paul had had a spiritual gift that most of us don't have. I mean, he was such a great speaker and teacher and writer. But, you know, he, he worked at, at, at his life. He worked at what he did. He, he wanted everything that he did to give glory to God. And he worked hard at what he was doing so that God would get the glory. But there's also another reason why he would work as hard as he did. He knew that one day, one day he would have to give an account for the way he lived on this old world. He would have to face Jesus one-on-one and give an account of what he did with that gift that God has given to him. How do I know that? Verse 10 tells us that at the first there. Where it says, Therefore, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's for all believers. The unbelievers will not be at the judgment seat of Christ. You see, the Bible talks about this judgment seat of Christ when every Christian will give an account on how he lived his life. Not an account for his sins. Your sins will never be brought up. They were paid for on the cross by Christ. But he's going to want to know, how did you live your old life here? What did you do with the spiritual gift that I have given to you? And we know the Bible tells us that when we were saved, he gave us a spiritual gift. And he's going to want to know what you do with that gift. What did you do with it? What was your motivation for the things that you did here on this earth? The things that you did, was it for your glory or for his glory? Were you motivated for self-interest or were you motivated for doing something for God and letting God get the glory and the popularity and not you? I think he's going to ask you, did you persevere to the end? Did you keep the faith for as long as you lived? 
And if you did, what did you do about that? And see, we're all going to be face to face. Bible tells us that when we are in that judgment seat of Christ and, and, and you and Christ are one on one, okay? The Bible says you will have perfect remembrance. You know, sometimes I can't remember what I had for supper or even breakfast. But in that judgment seat of Christ, the Bible tells you you will have perfect remembrance. You will remember things that you thought you forgot. You will remember why you did some things, your motivation, and the glory you received or the glory you didn't receive. And the Bible says he's going to take all of that and he's going to put it in, in the fiery furnace. And the things that come out, the things that you did for the Lord, the things that your motivation was for the Lord, the things you did for his glory will come out as gold and as silver. And the Bible says you will then be rewarded for what you did for the Lord. Well, you say, I, I, I don't know my spiritual gift. Or, or you know, I, I'm saved, but I really don't, I don't really do much for the Lord. Okay? Well, you do have a spiritual gift if you're born again. What is it that you like to do for the Lord? What is the passion that you have? What is, what is that one thing that you want to do? And it doesn't have to be singing. It doesn't have to be preaching. It doesn't have to be teaching. It doesn't have to be up on a stage. It could be something that no one ever knows about. But you do it for the Lord. You do it for the Lord. You might clean floors for the Lord. I don't know. But it is a gift that he's given to you. And he's going to want to know what you do with that gift. And when you do it for his glory, you do it for his, 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 his goodness, the Bible says you'll be rewarded. What a sad thing it would be, I think, to get to heaven standing in front of, the, in front of Christ that one day. And you go, hey, God, I, uh, you saved me, but that's all I got. I really didn't do much for you. That would be sad, I think. The Bible says you're still saved. You made it. But don't you want to do something for the Lord? Because the Bible says when you do that for the Lord and He gives you that reward for doing what you did here on this earth, the Bible tells us what? He says you're going to take that crown that He's going to give to you and you're going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Because he's the one that deserves it and you don't. Man, wouldn't you want to lay a crown or two or three or four at the foot of Jesus and said, thank you for saving me. Thank you for allowing me to do this. And here is what I, how much I love you. I want to give you back the crown that you gave me. I, I, I hope that you have that desire to do that. <laughs> how embarrassing it would be. Yeah, God, no, Jesus, I, I ain't got for, nothing for you. Sorry. Thanks for getting me here, but that's all I got. No. You see, the works don't save us. The works reveal that we have been saved. And we are called to do good works. We are called to do what he's called us to do. We are to use that gift that he's given to us, or that gifts for his glory and not ours. Man, I would urge you to do that. I would urge you to do that. Well, you say, I haven't done it yet. Well, today's a good day to start. Okay? Today's the day. You know? I mean, he'll forgive you for that past. But today's the day. So you've heard it. I'm putting you on record right here, guys. You've heard it. You know that you need to do things for the Lord that bring Him glory and not for yourself. I can't imagine me teaching Sunday school and preaching these years, 45 years at least, for my own glory and in my own strength. And I get to the heaven and, and, and I judgment seat of Christ and Christ goes, you know, Don said, said, boy, that was good. 45 years of all that kind of stuff. But you did it for your own popularity, your own glory. 
You did it in your own strength. You thought you could do better than I could do. And for 45 years, all that would be burned up because I didn't do it with the right frame of mind and the right motivation. That'd be sad for me. So I urge you. I urge you today. Man, start if you need to today. Doing for the Lord. Doing for His glory. And don't tell anybody you're doing it. (laughs) Because there's one in heaven that sees it. And He's keeping track, I promise you. You see, we have great assurances that we're going to live forever. And just in these verses, it tells us those assurances. Okay? That we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God will keep what He said He will keep. Whatever promise He's given to us, He's going to keep. And He's promised you and I that when we pass, if we are born again, that we will live with Him forever. And He's built us a a dwelling place to live. We know the assurance of living forever because the Holy Spirit lives within every heart of the Christian, leading, guiding us, directing us. And we can know that we have that assurance because we have a desire. We have a passion to do the things of God in our lives. There are times people, people just do not want to do the things of God. They just don't. And, and that could be a Christian. And that's a problem. That's a problem that we don't want to. Man, I encourage you, man, get, find out what God's going on in, his life, what, in, his, in your life and go do it. You know, we only have two commandments in the New Testament, to love God and to love others. Man, that's a good place to start. Okay, if you don't know what to do with the spiritual gift, start there. Love him with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And the second one is just like it. Love somebody else. And you can do that. When this is right, then this will be right. In your relationships, what we have. Man, I encourage you. I hope the message encourages today that you can have assurance that you have a home in glory, that you have a resurrected body waiting for you one day that will be just like Jesus' body when he too was resurrected. I hope that's an encouragement to you. If, if you don't have those kind of things, if you don't have it, if that, this message is not an encouragement to you, man, I would urge you to talk to me because it can be. Because you can know without a shadow of a doubt where you're going to spend eternity. Without a shadow of a doubt, you can know it. Because God has promised that. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, man, come talk to me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how to get there. It's an easy, easy road. Run. God is good. And in his word, he brings us encouragement, Christians. And in his word, he tells us how we can receive that special gift that he's given to us. The gift of his son that brings salvation. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you today, but immortality and, and a heavenly home is not a secret. It's not something that he's hid in his word and said, Christians, go find that and figure it out. No, he put it out there plain as day. He also says, unbeliever, it's not rocket science how you can get saved either. I mean, it's not hard stuff. You don't have to be very intelligent. He said, I've got a gift that I want to give to you, unbeliever. If you've never accepted Christ, i got this gift. And it's not a gift until you accept the gift. <laughs> and that gift is his son, Jesus Christ. Until you accept the gift, it's not a gift. 
Jesus said, I want to give you this gift so that you can live with me for eternity. Think about that. He wants, he wants to live with you and to live with me forever and forever. I don't know why, but he does. <laughs> I don't know why. And he said, I sent, I sent my son to make that possible. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, I ask you to do business with the Lord. Do you have these assurances? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt where you're going to spend eternity? Do you have a passion to do the things of God in your life? As the piano plays, you do business with the Lord. There will be a day. 